Ephesians chapter 4, um, that's where we're going today. So if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen or in your outline. We're starting a brand new series today called Overcomers. This series is all about what it sounds like, being overcomers. Come on, that's, that's where you participate. You've got to give me some back, all right? You've got you to participate or it will get drawn out and none of us will get street tacos, all right? So the series is all about being Overcomers. I believe with all of my heart that because of Jesus, all of us have the ability to overcome anything that the world throws at us. I'm talking about anything. Every single one of us can be an overcomer. And in this series, that's what we're going to talk about. Today's message, let me set this up like this. Um, Everybody in this room, we all have things that we like and we all have things that we don't like. And it's not a matter of right and wrong. It's just a matter of personal preference, right? Like, like let, me, let me share with you some things that I personally do not like. Horseback riding. I'm not a fan. Any, anybody a horseback riding fan? Anybody like to ride horseback? You, no. Do not yeehaw at Central. Now listen, I love, like, you guys, anybody been, like, binge Yellowstone? Any Yellowstone fans in here? Don't, don't raise your hand to that, because that's a bad show, sinners. Um, but I love it. I love it. And as much as I'd like to pretend to be like Jimmy and go out ranching or something, um, I, I couldn't do it, because I couldn't get on a horse. I just can't, I can't do it. I had a terrible experience on a horse one time. Um, some of you, some of you know this, <laughs> this story. Um, I'm not going to tell it. It's another story for another time. Um, it was on my honeymoon. 21 years ago, I was on a horse, and I've been on a horse since. It was that bad. I have zero desire to get on a horse. Oysters, I do not like them. How many of you like oysters? Raise your hand. I'm not going to make fun of you much. How, how many of you oyster fans? Now, listen, I've tried them. I do not like them. Do not invite me to eat oysters with you. Do not tell me that you've got a family member that has an oyster ship and they're gonna drive oysters to my house and we're gonna have fresh oysters. I do not care, I hate them. For me, I think when God was creating the world, he went Oh, dang. We're gonna call that oyster. And that's what it looked like right there. So think about that next time you eat one of those things. Skydiving, I don't like it. Another one of those things I tried one time and then I was out. Like I made a deal with God as I was floating down to the earth. If you let me land safely, I will never do anything stupid. Well, I will never do this again. Like (laughs) uh, uh, Chloe and Mary, um, that's them right there. They just went. They keep talking about doing it again. Not me. Don't invite me. I am not going. There are all kinds of things that we don't like. I don't like horseback riding, I don't like oysters, I don't like skydiving. We can make a list all day long of things that we do or don't like. All of that is to get to this point. I want to be very, 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 very honest with you. And maybe you've never heard a pastor say this before, um, but I've always wanted to be very honest and very transparent with this church. There are some things about that book right there, about the Bible, I don't like. Now, I believe it's God's word. I believe it's inspired. I believe all that stuff. But there are some things in the Bible that I simply do not like. I'm not saying they're not true, and I'm not saying that they're not good. I'm just saying as I'm reading the scriptures, I get to certain parts, and I think, oh, God, why? Why'd you have to put this in here? So wish you would have not said this. But because he said it, 
I've got to take some personal inventory. Like, I, if I want to get in line with the scriptures, there are times, like, there's some self-examination that I've got to do. And possibly, in fact, in fact, probably, more than likely, I need to make some changes in my life. And if I can be completely honest with you, that's what happened to me this past week. Because the first message in this series was going to be totally different. Now, I don't know if we're going to preach the message that was supposed to be for today. I don't know if it's going to be in week two or week four or week six. or I, I, I don't know. But if you see us come out with whiteboards and we talk about being rescued and we do some stuff with whiteboards at the end of the service, you'll know that was supposed to be week number one. But, but this week, because of... Um, some situations that are happening in my life and situations that are happening to people around me and, and, and just some things that are going on, um, God has been using these verses to just totally rock my world. And as I was going through the message the other day and, 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 and putting it together, I was like, hey, you you got you to use it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk about those verses because when I talk about these verses, <laughs> then they got to be real. When I talk about these verses, then people look at me and they say, hey, preacher boy, how about the thing you preached about last week? And then I got to say, um, do as I say, not as I do, right? But these two verses, these two verses that are tucked away in the book of Ephesians are, are killing me right now. Ephesians, written by a guy named Paul, and when you first meet Paul in the Bible, He's not a Christian. In fact, he's killing Christians. But Jesus shows up to one day, ironically, when he's riding a horse, probably the last day he was ever on the horse too, I don't know, um, <laughs> knocks him off, and he submits his life to Jesus, he gives his life to Jesus, completely sells out to Jesus, and he begins to travel all around the Mediterranean Rim, and he starts all of these churches. Well, he gets to a place called Ephesus, and Ephesus, scholars believe, that's where he spent um, probably most of his time. It's probably where he stayed the longest. And he wrote them a letter. It's called Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says some stuff, and within that stuff appear two verses, two verses that I absolutely hate, verses 31 and 32. Now, let me, let me kind of say this. Um, these verses that we're about to look at, that I'm about to read to you, that I'm about to break down, I think they're a great idea for all of you. I, I just don't like them for me. And you're going to think the same thing. All right, here we go. Look at this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Feel good about that? Everybody good? Let's pray and go home. Go get some street tacos. Amen? Everybody good with that? See, I think that's a great idea for all of you, but, but not for me, because I've got a story, right? I've got hurt. I've got pain. I've got people doing things that I'm just like, ah, and, and so do you. You've got wounds. You've got hurt. You've got pain. You've got a story. And as I read through this, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm bothered by it because it causes me to have to look in the mirror and say, hey, there's some stuff in your life, Ryan, that you've got to get rid of. In other words, don't be a hoarder. Clean this out. You ever clean out your garage? How many, how many of you love cleaning out your garage? The, 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 yesterday, my wife started cleaning out the garage. She's like, the garage has to get cleaned out. She started cleaning out the garage. I started going out. I look at what she was doing. I took the kids to the state fair. I'm like, I didn't know. 
Uh-uh. I don't like getting rid of, like, I, I don't like having to clean. I don't like having to, to get the mess cleaned up and sorting through it. And, and God is telling us right here, hey, you've got to do this, not to heart hurt you, not to cause you to work, not to cause you to have to go through anything. I'm telling you to do this for your own good. And so today we're going to walk through this verse. We're going to look at each one of these things that God wants us to get rid of. Because, see, here's the deal. In our lives, like, like, Jesus is supposed to be on the throne in our lives. But we love to kick Jesus out of the throne and put other things in his place. And, and, and that's what's happening here. When we put bitterness on the throne, or we put anger on the throne, or we put rage or harsh words or slander, all types of evil behavior, we, we begin to worship those things. They begin to control our lives. And Jesus is not ruling in our lives when that happens. And, and there's a work that God wants to do in us and through us. And when we put other things on the throne in our lives, it literally begins to break down the work that God wants to do in us and through us. It's not that God's not good. It's not that God's not loving. It's not that he's not providing and protecting. It's we're not allowing him to do the work in us and through us because bitterness or anger or rage or slander or harsh words or all these types of evil behavior are in our lives. And so he tells us to get rid of them. The first thing he tells us to get rid of is bitterness. You ever met a bitter person? like a really, really bitter person. Have you yourself ever been bitter? I know I have. I have so many examples, and, 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 and so do you. Like, like, has somebody ever done something to you, said something about you, hurt you, and every time you see that person or you think about that person, you just imagine them, like, spontaneously exploding or something? I mean, hypothetically, any, anybody? Or I, I, yes, I, I know, you're all so godly. And um, have you ever seen like a car coming down the road and it's not that person's car, but it's similar and in your mind you've drifted across and you just kind of run them off the road and put them in the ditch and you watch them flip. They're okay at the end, they walk away, but you're like, <laughs> you ever done that? Hypothetically. I was driving down the road with somebody one time, and I actually started drifting across the center line. They're like, hey, what are you doing? And I laughed. I'm like, oh, sometimes I like to pretend that that's so-and-so, and I'm just like my car like a tank, and I'm just running them all. And they're like, Ryan, there's some bitterness in your life. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not bitter. I just think it's funny. And they're like, no, that's not normal. You are a bitter person. And, gee, and they kind of went off, and, and I was like, ah. Uh. So I pulled over and kicked Mary out of the car. And um. <laughs> But that stuff really causes me to have to really think about how I act and, 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 and what it is that Jesus really wants to do in my life. And, and am, am I really, through my bitterness, allowing him to work in me and through me? Now, we all have examples of bitterness. Bitterness is when we see another person and we actually want bad things to happen to them. Listen, that might be normal and good in your world, but that's not what God created us for. At the end of the day, we could say a lot of things about Jesus, but Jesus was not a bitter person. And if we're supposed to be more like Jesus, then then bitterness has to go. 
It has to lose its place in our life. We have to get rid of it. And, and listen, I know many of us in this room, if I were to give you the microphone and let you come up and tell your story, you've actually justified bitterness in your life, just like I've done. We don't understand, Ryan. You don't know what I, I, I do. But at the end of the day, God says, we, we got to get rid of it. Just, just wash your hands of it. Just, just throw it away. Get rid of all bitterness because he knows bitterness will break down the work he wants to do in our lives. Secondly, he tells us we have to get rid of rage. Ever had a fit of rage? All the parents say, amen. <laughs> I know you don't do it in front of your kids. Maybe you do it in front of your kids. I, I, I don't know. But rage is like when we lose control. For example, for me, the rage thing manifests itself in electronics. Like electronics can trigger rage in me like nothing else in the world. Like you're working the remote control and the battery's dead. Man, what do you do when the battery's dead? What do you do? Push the buttons harder, right? Because they're going to make it work. Or, or, or have you ever like taken the back off and just spun the batteries? Because that's how science works, right? You heat them up and then start working. I, I don't know. Rage is when we have a moment of bitterness that manifests itself and we lose control. I was reading this article the other day. It had a bunch of revenge stories in it. And there was one, I don't know if it's true or not, but, but it, was, it was absolutely awesome. Um, Brian, where's Brian at? Brian, where's Brian Flesher? He's just up here with his kids. There's Brian right here. This is a dentist story, so you'll love this story. Again, I don't know if it's true or not, but this dude... <laughs> This dude went to the dentist because he had a toothache. The problem was the dentist was his ex-girlfriend. So he goes in, and he's like, oh, I got a, a toothache. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of you, boo. Cool. The problem is is that she, he had broken up with her for another girl. And once she, he, she put him to sleep, she pulled all his teeth. Yeah, right? That's what I did. Like, oh, he woke up. He's like, my mom a little bit numb. She's like, oh, it's all right. You're going to be numb for a few hours, but then you'll be okay. And she pulled all his teeth. Now, I'm sure in the moment, that felt really good. Some of you girls are saying, that is what I will do if you ever, right? I'm sure it felt really good to pull all his teeth in the moment. But at the end of the day, was it worth it? No. You probably lose your dental license for something like that, right? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It probably gets sued. I, I don't know. Probably. All because there was a fit of rage. Don't miss this. A fit of rage could cause a lifetime of regret. That's why God says, hey, if that's in you, get rid of it. If that's in you, throw it away. Get rid of it. And then he says this, get rid of anger. Anger. Any of you know an angry person? Don't point. Don't, no, 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 don't point, don't elbow, don't look, don't do any of that stuff right now. Don't. No people that are always angry. A anger is that thing you think you have control of until you don't have control of it anymore. Again, we can list out tons of example here because all of us have experienced serious anger issues. Anger is something that happens inside of us when we realize how out of control we really are, right? H have you ever gotten mad? You ever gotten like, angry? What, what happened when you got done being angry? What, what happened when you got done? Did the situation change, yes or no? No, it's still exactly the same. I used to get really mad in airports when my flight would be delayed, like ticked off angry. And then I realized one day, you know what? I can get super, super, super angry, but the flight's still going to be delayed. 
It's not like I have the skill to go outside and steal a plane and fly it home. Like, I, I don't know how to do that. So I might as well just sit here and enjoy myself. Anger. God says, you, you gotta, you gotta get rid of it. You've got to get rid of anger. Now, there's some righteous anger, all right? He's not talking about that. That's another message for another time. But what he's talking about here is the anger that seems to control us. And, and I know this is where people, where people explode and they say, well, this is just who I am. That's not who God created you to be, all right? You, we've got to stop excusing this type of behavior as a personality dis- disorder. Next, he said this. Get rid of harsh words. One of, the, one of the biggest lies that we have been told growing up, and we tell this to our kids, it's a little poem, goes like this. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words, oh, you've heard that one before too, right? How many of you believe that to be true? None of us. We all know that that's a lie because all of us have been damaged by harsh words. I can remember in seventh grade, some of you know this story. I wrote, a, I wrote a poem about a booger. It was awesome, but it was incredibly stupid. It, it really was. It was pretty dumb. And anyway, the teacher wrote on my paper, I'm glad you and your friends could have a laugh, but what you need to know, Ryan, is that you will never amount to anything in life. And then she just went off. Today, a teacher would probably be fired for saying some of the stuff she said. But me, to me, that just tore me apart. And here's my, here's my thing. 30 years later, it's over 30 years later, I still remember that. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I can remember that. As a matter of fact, I still have it. I don't know why, but I, but I do. I got some issues. I got some things. I, I still have it. But all of us, all of us remember harsh words. On the flip side of that, all of us in this room have said something that as soon as it came out of our mouth, we wish we wouldn't have said it, right? Th- think about this. How many of you would love to get back that text that you sent one time? H- how many? You-, you ever gotten into a text fight? Anybody here? Don't raise your hand. It's-, it's cool. You don't have to. Who wins a text fight? Nobody, right? And-, and just for the record, when you cuss me out in a text message and put a smiley face next to it, it doesn't take away the harsh words. You are nothing but a piece of smiley face. Feel good, Ryan. But listen. When we use harsh words, it's the result of bitterness, rage, and anger built up in our heart. At, at, at the end of the day, man, this is where I've got to watch myself the most. Because I, um, I have what is called the spiritual gift of sarcasm. Uh, I'm in treatment. It's cool. I'm sort of in recovery. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things, like, I know how to, how to cut people down in, in, like, a funny way and kind of make it seem like it's funny. And, and, and then, you know what? That kind of stuff still hurts. Do, do you know that? Like, when you say something harsh to somebody, when you say, <laughs> just kidding, it still hurts them. Harsh words. Harsh words. We've got to get rid of that if we're going to be more like Jesus. Then he said, social media. Just kidding. It says slander. Social media, slander. They, they, they sound the same. Start the same letter anyway, right? Slander is when you say stuff about people that isn't true. Or it could be true. Might be true. I don't know. Maybe you don't really know. But you tell other people about it in order to tear somebody else down. Years ago, um, I broke some TVs in our Easter services. They were for sermon illustration. 
If you were at those Easter services, we had TVs up here. We spray painted um, sin on them, and then, and then we broke them. Um, but then we gave out brand new ones um, to illustrate restored life in Jesus Christ. It, anyway, it, it was an awesome service. People got saved. Um, there was healing. There was restoration in other areas of it. I mean, it was just it was absolutely phenomenal. It was a great, 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 great Easter weekend. Well, the local newspaper wrote an article about it and just like slammed me for doing it and said stuff about this church and said some things about me and the church that simply were not true. Talk about bitterness and anger and rage and harsh words just wanting to well up inside of you. When, when somebody says something to you or about you, like, like isn't, isn't it funny somebody will slander you? Like everybody in this room knows what it's like to be slandered, but isn't it amazing that when you get slandered, how quickly those emotions that we're supposed to get rid of, how quickly we're digging through the trash to try to pull them back up. It's amazing the hurt that we feel when somebody slanders us, somebody says something about us that's not true. And, and, and hey, l- l- let me say this, just so we all know, so we're all on the same page. Even when something about somebody is true, usually we need to keep our mouth shut. Because at the end of the day, here's what I've discovered, and I've discovered this the hard way, and many of you have as well. If somebody slanders somebody to you, you better watch them. Because as soon as they leave you, they will slander about you too. And so he says, hey, just get rid of it. Just, just don't even do it. Don't even be around the people that do it. And then he says this, and this could be an entire message all by itself, all types of evil behavior. And I think Paul said that because I think, I think people, he knew people were reading, they're like, oh, cool, man, I don't got no bitterness. I don't got anger. I don't got rage. I'm happy all the time. I'm not saying any harsh words, man. <laughs> Rainbows come out of my mouth when I open it up. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm not slandering anybody. And he says, hey, there's some other stuff in your life. You gotta get rid of it. And I think this is a pretty good idea, don't you? If you're a parent, you're gonna tell your kid get rid of all kinds of evil behavior. You can see it in them. The problem is that we don't see this in ourselves, or we excuse things and say, This isn't what it is. It's not evil. No, 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 that's evil. You know it's evil. You know the things that you're doing are not pleasing to God. You 100% know. That if you were standing in front of God, you don't have to be like, I don't know, man, maybe he's making an exception. He's not making an exception for you. He's not making an exception for me. He says, hey, all types of evil behavior, get rid of it. And then he says this in verse 32, instead, instead, instead of all of that, instead, he said, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Now, the other day I was thinking, what is kindness? Like, what does that really look like? Does that mean we need to walk around and give each other hugs and high fives and fist bumps all the time? Like, dear God, I hope not. And so I really started looking at it. And I'm like, no, it's not what it means at all. Let me explain kindness like this. How many people in this room you have ever accidentally pulled out in front of somebody? Will you raise your hand? All right, that's most of us in this room. Others of you, you have perfect driving records, and we praise God for you. You're awesome. I think we've all pulled out in front of somebody. And when we've done it, it was an accident, right? Like like none of us have ever been sitting in the parking lot of Taco John's saying, whose life am I going to mess up today? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Woo! There's my guy. Right? 
like none of us. When you pull out your in front of somebody, it's an accident. When you hit your brakes and they hit their brakes, think about this. When you hit your brakes and they hit their brakes, how do you want to be treated in the moment? Because it was an accident, right? You didn't mean to do it. Now, I love it. There have been a few times that this has happened to me. I love it when people are like, hey, don't worry about it. It's cool. Like, it's, it's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You're okay. It's all right. It's cool when they do that. But when they turn their hand around this way and start dropping a couple of fingers, you, you know what I'm talking about? I probably should stop right there. We don't want that. So kindness, I started thinking about it. Kindness, the best way to illustrate kindness is, is, is kindness is treating someone else the way you would want to be treated if you were in their situation. That's what kindness is. Don't miss that. Kindness is giving somebody else the same amount of grace and mercy that you would want if you were in their situation. That's what it is. Now, I know some people say, well, I would never be in their situation. Really? Really? How do you know that? R really? See, the thing I've discovered is when somebody's life falls apart, we don't know the whole story. And so, church, instead of judging Instead of slandering, instead of shaming, we should just be willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to show them the same amount of grace and mercy. I'm going to show them the same amount of kindness that I would want them to show me. That's being like Jesus. And that's tough. Listen, 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 listen. I get it. It's tough. Sometimes darn near impossible. But Paul said that's what we need to do. Then he said we need to be tenderhearted. <laughs> like, What? I don't even know what that means. I'm a guy, tenderhearted. I like to drive fast and shoot guns and kill stuff. Like I don't want to be called tenderhearted. But tenderhearted, being tenderhearted, tenderhearted is simply seeing things from a different perspective. We talked about this a few months ago. We spent a whole service on it, and there was a prayer I taught you to pray. Jesus, teach me to see people like you see people. That'll change you. It's changing me. I'm praying that all the time. I'm not where I need to be yet, but it's, but it's changing me. It's a process. Because think about this. Think about the person that you have bitterness and rage and anger towards. If you could literally stop and say, Jesus, teach me to see him. Jesus, teach me to see her as you see them. What a change that will begin to make in you, church. That's what being tenderhearted means, seeing them as Jesus sees them. And then he says this, after you're kind to one another, you're tenderhearted towards each other, he says probably the hardest thing that the Bible tells us to do, forgive, forgiving one another. Now, forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Don't you just hate it when somebody says, oh, you need to forgive and forget. All right, but this didn't happen to you, right? It's easier for you to say forgive and forget when you're not the one who got hurt. You're not the one who got abandoned. You're not the one who got abused. That's difficult. I, I remember Ned Larson told on me in third grade when I got a spanking. I walked back into class. I told the entire class, didn't hurt. Ned told the teacher. I got a two-for-one deal that day. I remember walking back in class looking at Ned saying, I'm going to kill you. In the third grade, it became a third time that day that I got spanked. I'm just saying, I had issues, man. I can walk you through things that people over the course of my life have done to me. And forgiveness is difficult. But at the end of the day, listen, don't miss this, church. At the end of the day, if we're going to be like Jesus, 
We have got to learn how to forgive. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not giving someone permission to abuse you. See, the, the church has gotten this wrong for years, because for years the church would do things and they would say things, like the, like the church would tell women who are being abused, if you're gonna forgive your husband, then you've got to move back in with him. That's what you've got to do. No, 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 no. Not if he's still beating you, you don't. You could forgive him, but you don't gotta move back in with him. Does that make sense? That's something you act like you've never heard that from somebody before. Years ago, um, it wasn't at this church, although I have offered this service, and I will continue to offer this service numerous times at this church. Um, but years ago, a, a girl called me. She was living with a guy, and um, she was real upset. She's crying. She's calling. She, she's bawling. Um, he had hit her, beat her up, and she called me. I, I'd been a youth pastor of hers at a different church years before. She didn't know what to do. She's like, I don't know what to do. You beat me up. I don't know what to do. We, we, we pray for him, Pastor Ryan. No. No. You, you, won't, you won't pray for him? No. What are you gonna? What, 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 what can you do? I'll be over there. Fifteen minutes. I got my truck with two other guys, and we drove over there. We got there. The place was tore up. She was beat up. One of her eyes was already swollen. Her lip was all fat. So we helped her get it cleaned up. We called a couple other girls to come over um, and help her. And while we were cleaning up, he called. She said, "You want me to answer him?" I said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh. I got it. I, I'm making this story up. Honest God, true story." I answered the phone. He said, "Who this?" I said, this is Pastor Ryan. He said, what are you doing in my house? I said, honestly, I'm waiting here to kick your, and I I finished. Told him a few more things. Told him I'd be here for another hour or two waiting on him. I got off the phone. I, I looked at her. She said, what do I need to do? I've been praying for him. I said, is this the first time he's ever hit you? She said, no. I said, you need to get out of this house right now. And she said, he said he would change. He keeps saying he's going to change. He keeps saying he's going to change. I know he's going to change. I said, hey, he ain't going to change. He ain't going to change. You need to get out. We took her to this place in Danville, Indiana called Sheltering Wings. as a place for battered women. And she got, she got in there, and she, she, and she got out, and she's doing some ministry stuff now. I was able to forgive. Has moved on with her life. It's absolutely f- phenomenal. But, but listen to me. Listen, what you need to get out of that is forgiveness is not permission to abuse. Forgiveness, forgiveness is saying you don't owe me anymore. Forgiveness is, because, see, what happens in our minds is in our minds we build up this thing where the person who has hurt us or the person who has wounded us or the person who has abandoned us, the person who has done all of these terrible things to us is going to come crawling back to us and tell us that they're sorry and we're going to have this huge crowd around and they're going to be watching and we're going to be justified in the moment. We're going to be able to say, ha, 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 grovel, sucker, I told you you were wrong and I was right. But forgiveness, forgiveness is letting all of that go. Forgiveness says, you know what? You don't owe me anymore. Let me tell you what else forgiveness is not. And this is probably my controversy statement for this message. Forgiveness is not complete reconciliation. It's not. It's not complete reconciliation. I've heard pastors say, as a matter of fact, I heard one say two weeks ago, you've got to be completely reconciled, church, if you're going to forgive. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, that ain't true. What if the person you need to forgive is dead? How do you reconcile that? You just go dig them up? Hey, everything's good! <laughs> and just drop them back down? No! 
I'll tell you this. About late January, early February this year, I got a phone call. I looked at the phone. I couldn't believe the name that was on the screen. I mean, the person who was calling me, I hadn't talked to them in, in, in like 10 years. And the last time we talked, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of talking. It was in a group of people. It was, it was more yelling and just more hate and anger and rage and slander. It, it wasn't good. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe they dialed me by accident. So I just looked at it until it quit ringing. You ever done that? And then I kept staring at it for what felt like a 10 minutes afterwards, waiting to see if, if they left a voicemail. When it was clear that they didn't, I put it back and put my phone back in my pocket. And as soon as I did, like the text message alert thing went off. And I looked, and they had texted me, would love to talk to you. Give me a call. Now, without going into a ton of detail, uh, that person caused a bunch of harm um, to me and my family. Like, like there's not many good stories that I can share and tell within the, the years of relationship time that, I, that I'd spent with that person. Um, but I have forgiven that person. The process of how that happened is another message for another time. The way that God worked and the way God moved and the way God taught me forgiveness through that is absolutely amazing. But I truly have forgiven them. However, I don't need to talk to him. I wouldn't have lunch with him. Like if he called me today and said, hey, um, next time you're in town, can we go to lunch? I'll tell him, uh-uh. No way, man. 100% no. But you know what? He doesn't owe me anything. I've completely forgiven him. Sometimes, church, don't miss this. Sometimes the relationship may never be reconciled. But on your end, you can let that debt go. Listen, it's a process. It's a process. I, I know as much as anyone in this room, it's a process. Every time that person comes to your mind, you have to say, I've chosen to forgive that person. Sometimes it's daily. Sometimes it's an hourly choice. Forgiveness. Forgiving one another. And, and this is the thing. People come up to me all the time and say, well, I got a bad story. Nobody in this room gets an exception. Forgiving one another. We don't get to say, I forgive them, but uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's forgiveness period. Ron, you don't understand what they did to me. You know what? Again, if I were to let you come up here and tell your story, it would most likely break every one of our hearts. But the end of this verse, the end of, throw this verse back up on screen, will you? The end of this verse is so key. The only reason we're called to forgive one another is because just as God through Christ has forgiven you, the reason I can forgive, the reason you can forgive is because you've been forgiven. L let me show you why this is so essential. This is a geography lesson. I learned this years ago, and I was reminded of it last week. Um, in Israel, there's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Anybody ever been to Israel? Anybody ever been? Uh, I've never been. I really, really, really want to go. Um, and so um, Pastor Appreciation Month's in October. I think we're taking donations for send. I'm just, just kidding. Um, I've never been, but I would like to go. People say when you're in Israel for the first time, um, the Sea of Galilee is one of the most breathtakingly beautiful places on the planet. Like the vegetation and the flowers and everything growing around it is just absolutely amazing. People say it's no wonder that Jesus spent the majority of his time doing his ministry there around the Sea of Galilee. But as you follow down the Jordan River, you eventually get to the Dead Sea. Now, everything around the Dead Sea is just dead. 
<laughs> it's so good, right? It's just barren, like nothing grows. Now, this is why this is so important. If you look up there at that map, the Sea of Galilee has water, if you look at the top, has water flowing into it and has water flowing out of it. All right, so you've got intake and outflow. Intake and outflow. Don't, don't, don't miss that. It's important. Intake and outflow, and everything around is absolutely beautiful. The Dead Sea has water flowing into it, but you have nothing going out of it, and nothing around it can live. It's just dead. So when it comes to forgiving somebody, you've got a choice. You could be up at the top, the Sea of Galilee, or you could be the Dead Sea. It's your choice. Because, see, we can receive the grace and mercy of God, and we can extend the grace and mercy of God, inflow and outtake, inflow, outflow. And by the way, you might not get it where you received it, all right? or you might not receive it where you gave it, and you might not get grace and mercy where you gave grace and mercy. But here's the thing. If you don't extend forgiveness, you can receive the grace and mercy of God. You've got that inflow. But if you don't extend it, you don't have that outflow, then the work of God begins to die in us. Not because God is bad, but because we have chosen to say, they owe me, they owe me, they owe me, they owe me. Forgiveness is saying, they don't owe me anything. In fact, I'll say this, forgiveness is a process, and it can begin today. Every one of these things that we talked about, getting rid of bitterness and anger and rage and harsh words and slander and all types of evil behavior is a process that can begin today. And so today the invitation is quite simple. The invitation is not, think of that person you hate and forgive them and go home and yeah, eat street tacos. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could say a magic prayer and Angel dust would fall from, on, probably not angel dust, probably shouldn't say that. Pixie dust fall from heaven and I, I don't know. It doesn't work like that and you know that. But you know what can happen today? Every single one of us who has anger, every single one of us who has rage, every single one of us who is using harsh words, who is slandering, every single one of us who has bitterness, every single person has unforgiveness towards another person can stop and ask God, help me. Start the process of getting rid of this today, every one of us. That doesn't mean when you walk out these doors, you're not going to still wrestle with things. doesn't mean that all of these emotions aren't going to well back up inside of you. But what, what it does mean is today you can get the process started and you can literally begin to experience the work of God in your life like you've maybe never experienced it before. And so when you walked in here today, you got a card and on that card, it lists out these things. Today, I want to get rid of bitterness, anger, evil behavior, all of those things. Claudia is going to come up here, and she's going to sing a song. She's going to close us out. And while she sings, I want you to bring this card up here. And we're symbolically going to get rid of these things. You say, Ryan, I can't. You're right. But God can. We have our really cheesy God cans up here to symbolize you just throwing it away. Just throw it away. You can't do it. I get it. Understand that. But God can. God can heal you and God can restore you. And he can begin that process today. So during the song, you come up here, you throw it in there. Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's three things. Maybe you have to write something totally different on it. I don't even care. Throw it in there. Get rid of it. And pick up one of these new cards. And you take this new card home with you. 
and you put it somewhere where you can look at it every day, and you begin to allow these verses to work in you and through you. you. Allow God to work in you and through you, through these verses. Hey, I'm getting rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all these types of evil behavior, and I said, I'm gonna be kind to people. I'm gonna be tenderhearted, and I'm gonna be forgiving because God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven me. Now let's stand and, and let's sing, and as we sing, church, if you feel led, come on up here, get rid of and pick up.